0: As a comic, we deal with hecklers all the time. Of course. You got a problem? You trying to come on stage and talk about your problem? Because let me tell you, I got a microphone and a brain. This ain't going (laughs) to end well for you. Are you sure you want to do this? I didn't, like, pull her on stage and be like, gotcha, bitch. Right.
1: (laughs) I'm KC Finey, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. We're tackling the mental roadblocks these creatives have encountered on projects or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into the problem, you'll hopefully have a clear blueprint on how to manage your own creativity. When people talk about multi-hyphenates, it's usually something to the tune of singer-songwriter, actor-producer, etc. But Amanda Seals is going to need just a few more hyphens. In addition to starring in Insecure, Amanda is a stand-up comic, a rapper, a poet, an author, a painter, a singer, a live show producer and host, and so much more. Bottom line, she's a creative powerhouse. And more importantly, she's a creative powerhouse with something to say. In our conversation, Amanda talks about sharpening her voice for her very first comedy special, the important difference between educating and checking someone, and the one project that's pushing her creative discipline to the edge. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: I mean, so you've done plenty of stand-up throughout your career, but I'd Be Known is your debut comedy special. So was there any difference in how you approached your material for this set versus what you normally do on stage?
0: No, I mean, I think it was more so just... The truncating, like when I'm on stage, a lot of times I just let myself dovetail and go <laughs> off and come back. And um I just have a lot more looseness, I would say. But when it came to do the special, I wanted to be sharp and I wanted to not have like any extra words. And mm. I have a crutch where I go, you know, uh. you know, so I really was. <laughs> Making sure that I did my best to like not fall into my crutch, uh, but otherwise, I mean, it wasn't like I'm like, okay, you're doing the special, you need to talk about, you know, politics, or you need to talk about, can I curse?
1: Of course you can, pussy.
0: You know, so <laughs> I just was like, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that type of thinking right. by any means.
1: <laughs> I mean, so what, what is kind of your process for building out a set? Because you know. It, I would imagine that is is it just you kind of stringing together yeah. jokes that you've compiled over the years like what like what exactly is that process for making sure that you not only have stuff that's uh funny and smart but there's like a cohesive narrative behind it.
0: Well, so that was the thing, you know, when I was putting together this hour I mean, I have a lot of material, because by the time I got to stand-up, I'd already lived 33 years of life, Right. so I definitely didn't show up with, like, only high school stories, you know? <laughs> so, like, I mean, I just had a lot to pull from, and when it came time to start really considering, like, what are we doing for this hour, I had been doing an hour on stage for the last year, mm-hmm. and just different versions of that hour. So, even when I headlined Caroline's last year and did five shows, like... I knew it's New York. People are going to come more than once, et cetera. So I did, like, different hours for each show. Right. But at the end of the day, like, there's certain jokes that just work every time. Yeah. You know, so you start with that, and then you round it out with jokes that you feel are valuable You know, not just because they're funny, but valuable because of their uniqueness or valuable because they help support something else Mm -hmm. in a bigger way. You know, like, for instance, like in the special, I have the catcalling joke and then it bleeds into the Harriet Tubman joke. Right. (laughs) And so there was an opportunity at one point to, like, take out Harriet Tubman for something else that I ended up taking out. But I'm like, nah, because... Harriet Tubman, like, ain't nobody telling Harriet Tubman jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even though Nicki Minaj did bring her into spotlight in a very unconventional way, but that's cool. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but, you know, unconventional and hilarious. Two different things.
1: <laughs> true, true, true. And,
0: and then, like, the Harriet Tubman ble- bleeds us into talking about the, the lack of attention that is paid in the, you know, uh, education system to mm-hmm. black history. Right. Right. So, like— It's a bridge. If you take it out, it's not to say that I can't just start talking about that, but the segue is a lot more cumbersome. Mm -hmm. So just as a writer, I love a segue. As a host, I love a segue. So it's like you have these tent poles and then you find the jokes that serve as good segues, not just because they are effective topically, but because Mm -hmm. they're just as funny as the jokes they're segueing.
1: Right, right. And it's funny because, you know, I know... I know you, you know, through your videos on Instagram, which you've, you know, definitely built a name for yourself on there outside of your, you know, I the career, your normal career. I recognized
0: for that more than insecure.
1: Right, I was going to say. So, I mean, like, obviously, I know I know about your Instagram presence and I know about your stand-up. And so, whenever I, whenever I found out that you are doing a stand-up special, my first thought was, like, who is this going to be for? And at the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> of I Be Knowing, like, you rattle off exactly who this isn't for. I mean, you said it's not for homophobes, xenophobes, misogynists, all that good stuff. And... And I think that, you know, when it comes to humor that leans on social commentary, you know, the question becomes, are you kind of commiserating with like-minded people or are you hoping to reach the other side or both? So with this special, I mean, who would you say it's for?
0: I mean, I say, before I say all that, I say the special is for black women. Exactly. That's the first sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, people keep asking me, who is this special for? The special is for black women. I mean, it's comedy. So it's basically for everybody, everybody except you know because but those people
1: need to hear it the most interesting <laughs> but i didn't make it
0: for them True. i am not here to educate idiots um, <laughs> and the reality is is that you know majority of the people that i've listed they are operating in willful ignorance so why Absolutely. am I wasting my energy? It's right. not a debate. If you know the facts and you choose not to listen to them, mm-hmm. that's just foolishness, right. Right. you know. Which
1: you, interestingly enough, you did. You took the time out of your out of that recent set at a at a comedy club where that white woman who was slightly inebriated decided. To go now outside. see what y'all need to
0: understand is there's bigger picture shit that happens. Right. I'm not educating her when that type of situation happens. Mm-hmm. She's a vessel. Mm. She's a vessel. And to be perfectly honest, what I'm really doing is presenting an an example to individuals who ain't really trying to hear the bullshit on how they can shut it down. Mm. I'm simultaneously, I'm not educating her. I'm checking her. Yeah, I'm checking her. I'm not patiently sitting with her and pulling down diagrams and PowerPoint presentations on why this is wrong. No, I am not having a dialogue because I'm not interested. You've already stated your point. Your point is erroneous. Mm -hmm. It's arrogant. It lacks nuance. So we're not having a debate. I'm also literally performing on a stage. (laughs) I'm literally here performing on a stage with a microphone, but you're in the audience and you're scoffing at my joke that had nothing to do My (laughs) my joke had nothing to do with what she was talking about, nothing, literally nothing. That's the part that kills me. (laughs) So for me, it becomes like first of all, like I'm an entertainer. Yeah. So she gonna come on stage. I didn't pull her on stage. No. I actually told her I was like, so you 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 upset? Like you 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 got a problem? As a comic, we deal with hecklers all the time. Of course. You got a problem? You trying to come on stage and talk about your problem? Because let me tell you, I got a microphone and a brain. (laughs) This ain't gonna end well for you. Right. She was like, Well, I have a brain too. I was like, I also have a master's in African American studies, and that is what you are challenging right well. now the information. So, this is not going to end for you. Are you sure you want to do this? I didn't, like, pull her on stage and be like, gotcha, bitch. Right.
1: <laughs> right, and it's very evident because, and I love the I love the distinction you make between checking someone and educating someone because yeah. there's a lot of people that, you know, and they, they're allowed to, you know, handle yes. handle things the way they want to do. Yes. Like, uh, if I need to hold your hand through this, I will. Yes. But that's why I think you're... Your brand of commentary and comedy speaks to so many people because so many people are tired of that. So many people are just like,
0: I don't want to do it. We
1: don't want to do it anymore.
0: And I just feel like black folks should have the choice. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there are a lot of black folks who will be like, It is our job. What? Mm -mm -mm. We got another job Mm -mm. we do it for free? Seriously so let though. me t- so so wait like we weren't allowed to be educated. It was illegal for be for us. To, it was literally like at the threat of death for us to be educated. And right. now that we have gotten the right to educate ourselves, we are expected to educate those who attempted for us to not be educated. You crazy?
1: <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, it's I like how did that voice develop? Because I mean, obviously, you mentioned that this is this is this is a life that. Your comedy is a combination of lived experiences obviously and just the fact that you you know your shit. I mean, the, you have like you've mentioned before you have, you know, your masters in African American studies and you've just been, you know, an observer of the world. And so, how would you say your your presence as a comic has developed over the years? Because like it's it's one of those things you haven't been doing direct comedy for no, that long. I only
0: started in November of 2013.
1: Exactly, but your voice is so sharp. So how has so how has that developed for you?
0: I mean, my voice has developed because I've been in different spaces. I mean, I s- started as an actor, mm-hmm. but then my
1: brother and me, <laughs>
0: yes, Great. and Croatia. then um, but then I you know I was a poet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I was a poet, in, in high school I was a director and like of, of the stage and um, I'm a linguist so I am a writer then I was a rapper a singer mm-hmm. and in any of these mediums it's about getting your ideas out yep. in a way that you you know you want people to understand them and then after a certain point I was basically like hosting 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 for years and my info is on damn near every music network there, there is mm-hmm. but at a certain point around 2012 I just was like I should be I, wa- I want to be doing more yeah And I realized that no one knew I could do more. So then I started writing one-woman shows and, you know, putting those up myself. And that, again, is another, like, exercise in getting your voice out. I mean, my first one-woman show that I did um, outside of college was Death of the Diva, where I wrote a musical based on how reality tv had changed the role of the woman in entertainment Mm. and that was directly related to the fact that i could not get work oh wow literally like agencies were telling me like yeah there's people aren't interested in what you're doing colleges were like no one's interested in you because you're not on a reality show Mm. like reality shows were like well you're not crazy and you're not (laughs) hypersexual so like what are we really supposed to do with you so i was just within this like i was in this like stasis of like well I mean, I'm I'm getting basically put to the side for not acting a fool. Yeah, <laughs> and so I say all that to say that my development of my voice has come through these very you know different mediums, and then finally, when I was on VH1, I was doing De- Best Week Ever. I was mm-hmm. doing like all these like clip shows, et cetera. Right. And you learn how to formulate your ideas in very concise sound bites right. so that you can make it on the air. Right. So people on my Instagram often say like man like you're able to just like get your idea out like really sharp and really succinctly and that's by design. Yeah. Because people will still listen. And the clearer you can be, the more the more receptive and the more understanding they'll be. Right. So for all intents and purposes, I mean comedy was kind of like the The pinnacle of all those things like it was a Mm -hmm. place where I'm able to utilize all of my work that I've done in developing my voice. But then all these other talents, whether it's singing, whether it's rapping, whether it's speaking politically, you know, social commentary or doing characters, etc.
1: Okay, And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, enough people Not enough people know how multifaceted you are because, you know, the Amanda Seals that a lot of people know is that like, hey, you know, she's obviously on Insecure and she obviously has, you know, this comedic presence. But you were a DJ, like you mentioned, you're VJ, DJ, painter, (laughs) singer, rapper, poet, all these things. So what, knowing that you have all of these abilities, what's been kind of your inner compass to, to kind of point to where your creativity should be exercised? Especially now, because I mean, like, w- are you still writing poetry? Are you still, you know, writing music on the side? Like,
0: well, yes, I am writing the full version of the uh, now classic jingle. Niggas got me fucked yes. up. Oh, <laughs> niggas got me fucked up. <laughs> not today. Not the one.
1: Oh my God! Number one on iTunes. It's Immediately. coming. <laughs> I'm so ready for that.
0: It's coming. <laughs> It's all fun and games till things get crazy. Hey. Damn. Baby, <laughs> I am not for play. Pay attention when I say this. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. I
1: it's mean, coming. listen. It's coming. Sooner rather than later, <laughs> I would really appreciate that. It's
0: coming. So, that's going to happen. And... Um, you know, I write all these jingles that, like, be popping up on my Instagram, and people are like, make an EP, make an album. <laughs> and, I mean, me and my boy Ray Angry, he, like, made the beat for that in 2.2 seconds, and it's like, okay, we gonna make it happen. I love that. It's gonna be records. Right. But, I mean, I kind of get to spread my wings and stretch a bit with Smart, Funny, and Black the most, because yeah. Smart, Funny, and Black, as a medium, it's, it's a comedy show, it's a game show, it's a live music <laughs> show, so I get to, like do a lot of different things in that space. And it is absolutely a unique comedic space, which is why we do it in theaters mm-hmm. and rock rooms versus in a comedy club. Right. And so I get to do a lot of the stuff that I don't necessarily do in my comedy or in my spare time, mm-hmm. like, in that. You know, even coming up with, like, a moment of Ebony Excellence. Like, that's still using my musical <laughs> right, true, flavor. Right, true, true, But that's, like, we came up with that on a bus you know on a sprinter van driving from detroit right to chicago
1: <laughs> i mean well how do you how do you focus that creative energy because you know as we mentioned you're able to do so much and so how do you make sure that you're 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 focusing on how do you tailor that focus cuz you can kind of wind up going all over the place
0: i mean it's definitely it's definitely gotten more difficult yeah. because the projects that i'm working on have higher stakes and they right. require more intensity yeah you know, like writing the book, when people look back at all the interviews about me writing the book, they're going to be like, damn, that really kicked your ass. Because every <laughs> time I mention the book, I'm like, it's kicking my ass. I
1: mean, at least you're being honest. A kid, writing a book kicks everyone's ass, please.
0: I really thought I would be the exception. Nah, um baby. I definitely nah. separated myself and was like, okay, yeah, sure, speak for yourself. You know, like when you're turning 30 and everyone's like, listen, it changes, you change. And everyone's like, no, it doesn't. And then you turn 30 and you're like, yo. <laughs> you was right. Listen. That's me with the book. Whew. The book. I'm literally, I have emails in my phone right now from my editor and my agent like, so checking on the edit.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just like, like cowering at a corner. I'm corn.
0: doing podcasts. <laughs> I like, hey, uh, got stuff going on.
1: If you need a note from my editor to say like it's okay for you to <laughs> right. be here. Right, like we'll I, I'm
0: just saying I was there. You saw where I was. I, my time is accounted for. But, so so you know, stuff like that like Writing, you know, even writing Smart, Funny, and Black. I mean, I have now gotten writing Smart, Funny, and Black down to a science where Mm -hmm. I can write an episode. I mean, I can write a show within, like, two hours. Oh, wow. Um, But it's because I had to, like, really knuckle down. Mm -hmm. But I say all of that, and I'm not trying to— I'm not complaining by any means, but it's just still an adjustment. So Mm. I don't have an answer for you. Like, it's really just trying to not— set myself up to like I love people when they're like I'm just juggling a lot you know and it's like okay but you're but you're dropping the ball
1: <laughs> right right
0: so it's not really juggling right because you're juggling little ball.
1: <laughs> so, so do I mean, less. That's what i was gonna say. So for you, is it just like making sure you're picking because pr- I feel like this yes. is something that a lot of people can relate to because you know they 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 want to be having juggling all those balls or spinning it having feels, all those spinning plates. Oh,
0: such an LA thing too. I, <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm producing that. Right. We're talking like it's the woman in Coming to America. I want to write my own all songs. Right. I want to shoot my own videos. You know, I'm also a musician. I'm also an actress, but you know, I'm also like a commercial actress and I'm a director. Right. Like. Right, but is anything coming to fruition? So that's always my biggest concern. Yeah, like don't be talking all of that, yeah, and then not producing.
1: That's the thing.
0: Don't be. I. I don't want to be the. I don't want to be the one with hella deadline announcements <laughs> and no release dates.
1: Right, right. That's
0: the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here for that. You talk a big game, but <laughs> right. you know like, when yo. does the game actually start? So <laughs> <Like> <laughs> exactly, because I'm. I'm right. trying to be there, but you got to put me on. So I'm. I just haven't. So, so that's something that I'm like not setting myself full for. Like, for instance, like next week I'll be announcing a gang of tour dates. Yeah, a gang of tour dates. Like, I'll be in Boston on February 23rd at the Wilbur. Like, those tickets are on sale now. I'll be doing a residency at the at the Kennedy Center the first weekend of Ju- of June, mm-hmm. where I'll be doing smart, funny, and black. I'll be doing my stand up, and I'll be remounting my musical Mo Better where I take Wu Tang records and Wu Tang records, and I turn them into jazz. Listen,
1: but. The- I mean, kind of going back to your process, I mean like when when when's an example of you getting stuck? Because obviously, you know, I would imagine ideas are constantly flowing, but is there ever a moment like where whether it's a joke, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that you're working on, what does that creative roadblock look like for you and how do you get over it?
0: I mean, writing the book was the first time I've been stuck in a long time, but it wasn't that I was stuck creatively, I was stuck with dis like my discipline. Mm. I mean, I'm typically a very self-motivated person, but I will admit, and I, I just hope Sam is not listening to this podcast. <laughs> I will admit that there have been times where, like, I know I got some shit due. Right. And I'm like, but, <laughs> or I could watch The Battle of Hard Home. <laughs> Again, why do I
1: perfectly imagine you with laptop in your lap, TV <laughs> on the thing, just like ooh choices? <laughs> choices.
0: Click. I I could let do me that. just shut this I mean, and turn that TV on. and then and you know, in my mind, I'm like, I can do both. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, how was it
1: developing that discipline? Because that's, again, that's something you, that...
0: You're saying it as if it happened. Okay. I never <laughs> developed the discipline is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? I never developed the discipline. I, this is one of the only times I've ever failed like by my own accord in my life I never developed it and they're asking me for another book and I'm like are you sure you want to do this to yourself? Are you sure? Cuz I don't I don't know if I want to do this myself. The next book I will hire somebody. Well, that's the thing. Why is it so hard for you then? I don't know. <laughs> okay? Maybe you got the answers. I, just got I don't the have question. the answers, Sway. I just—I got- don't have the answers. I genuinely, it is one of my life's mysteries. It's gonna be like 2023. I'm gonna be somewhere like in a kayak, and it's gonna hit me like, oh, that's what that was about.
1: Listen, because that's why it's so puzzling. Because like, and
0: you, then someone's gonna ask me to write a book about that.
1: The right there you go. That's why it's so puzzling. Because like, you're so smart. You're so talented. You're so gifted creatively, and and just like you would think. Getting like writing this down and writing whatever it is that you're writing would not be this big of a hurdle, but you're struggling. Listen, you can't see her now, but she's 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 sweating it. The
0: (laughs) closest that I can come to in in terms of an explanation is that my book is not just like stories. Yeah. Okay. My book is the literary accompaniment to my podcast, Small Doses. Mm -hmm,
1: Small doses. Amazing. Go listen to that.
0: Thank you. Potent truths for everyday use. So it's more like my ideology, Mm. and it's essentially a book of essays. Blurbs, sketches and anecdotes related to different um, topics that are relatable in life. So I think it's more so just the fact that like it's an opus of sorts Mm -hmm. and it is one of those things where I'm doing something that has like a finality to it. In relation to something that is always growing and changing, hmm. so there's almost like, almost like this thought process that says I should put like an, a page at the end of it that just says, and you know,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all topics are to our subjects like, subject <laughs> to change, because I don't want to be the senator that comes later to be like, at one point in time, I stated. <laughs> that Captain John Luke Picard of the Starship Enterprise was the greatest Starfleet captain of all time, and now I have understood that my statements were egregious <laughs> and false. Now, of course, I would never say that because this is a fact. I mean, I was, I was about
1: to say, I mean, like, I'm you know, stand by examples. that one because, yes, because hello,
0: engage. But, <laughs> but I don't want, you know, like I don't right. want that happening later. So I, I, so I think that's part of like the block. Mm-hmm. Is just like you're trying to finish something that is not finished because I'm not dead. Got you,
1: got you, got you. Well, hey, hey, hey. I'm so thankful maybe we for got that. somewhere
0: today with like, this know, like, because we worked it. Out we together. worked it out because I, I don't, I don't go to my therapist anymore. I need to find a new one. So we gotta work <laughs> it,
1: out. But. I mean, I think that you mentioned that it's kind of this working mission statement and just that idea in general of a mission statement for someone creative, I think, is kind of interesting. I mean, like, what would you say your mission statement is knowing that it's subject to change? It's
0: statements. It's not even statements. from a creative place. It's just hmm. like I, I consider myself a common sense specialist. Ah. I mean, I really just like.
1: See, that's a good way of phrasing it.
0: <laughs> I just look huh. at the world in a very like, oh, this makes sense. Right right so why is there an issue
1: right <laughs>
0: like that you know like that kind of like even like when we talk about like cap and the kneeling for the national anthem in regards to a very specific thing and people being like no it's this. Nope, that doesn't make sense right so why is it an issue mm-hmm. so like that's like a lot of how I formulate things and it gives a lot of I mean it's a work in progress as always but it does help alleviate like a lot of frustration sometimes where you're just right. like no no that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, like I'm dating somebody and I like, definitely wild out the other day. Like I was tripping. <laughs> I was tripping. Right. And then he like said back to me what I was saying. And I was like, oh, Damn. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Let me sit down and shit it up. <laughs> And
1: you know what? It takes a big person to admit that. Some people, <laughs> some people just double down and they're just nah, stewing there's their wrongness. No like, value in that, right? There's no
0: value. You right. know, shut it up. I mean, and I mean, even in that space, I mean, I will commend him for even being able to like explain it to me in a way that didn't feel antagonistic. It didn't True. feel contradictory. And that's the work on on all sides, right? How to like explain something. I mean, I really. You started this interview asking about like, well, you know, educating folks and mm-hmm. who who a lot of people that, that I didn't do the special for should hear it. Um, I think that I win when I don't talk directly to those folks because it is incredibly difficult not to be condescending, not to be antagonistic, not to be petty.
1: Very good Because hashtag
0: petty yeah. for the people. <laughs> so I feel like I my messaging, even though very valid for them... Comes across in a much more effective way when I'm talking to the choir, Mm -hmm.
1: and they're just and
0: they're just via satellite from the reggae (laughs) room. (laughs) You know, because I feel like so many white people that can't handle it. It's like it's daggers coming at me. It's daggers coming at me. But if they can be like spectators, exactly, they're like, oh, so what happened over there was about us. (laughs) I can feel I can deal with it better when it's over there you know so it's just like I mean it's a constant work in progress to figure out how to best elevate and get your voice out when you feel like you have something to say yeah I I try to creatively always go from how does this speak to me and how does this also speak to the people Mm -hmm. those are like my two temples that I create from right but when you ask about a block as an artist, I will honestly tell you, like, I genuinely have reached a point where I don't really be blocked, Joe. Mm. Like, even when I'm not outputting, I don't take it as a block. Huh. I, yeah. I receive it as, like, this is a pause that needs to be here for the development process. I'm no longer threatened by it anymore.
1: That is the best way to rephrase that. I never really thought about that.
0: I mean, and I don't know if it's that case for everybody, but I know for me that if I hit a wall where I can't get right. over it, it's not about like oh you you can't figure it out. It's because you need to pause.
1: That's the thing, no, because I think a lot of people do reach that point where they're like oh I just have to shut this laptop. and need to go walk away. But I think I think it's a I think it's a wise way to frame it as this is just part of the process.
0: Yeah, it really like is. you're
1: not blocked. You just need to like just step. It's just part of the process. Like you know, there's nothing bad about it. No, that's actually a really good way to phrase it.
0: Huh. I mean, I've had times where like I'm writing something and I'm just like. I don't want to write this right now.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't mean just, like, right now. It'll be like I'm working on something over a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, this just isn't hitting. Yeah. Or a joke. I'll be, like, trying to hammer out a joke. And it's like, just leave it alone. Yeah. It's not, you know. um, I think a really good example of that is my podcast. People Mm. were pressing me to do a podcast because it's (laughs) all the rage. Of course.
1: Hello. And
0: I was just, like, not – I was trying – and I, I can come up with stuff, of course, but nothing felt like it had momentum behind it from me. Yeah, it just felt like shit I was writing on exactly, a wall. Exactly, exactly. And then I just paused it. I was like, you know, we'll come back to it. It'll, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And that's exactly what happened with small doses. And then I'll know that I'm on the right track again when it's like you're releasing a dam.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Because that's essentially what I'm doing, right? I'm damming up. Of course. So that we can bring the waters back up again, let it yep. build back up again.
1: Then the deluge.
0: And then, yeah. <laughs> and then when you release that dam and you get that flow again, you're yep. like, okay, this is right. And if you release the dam and it's still not flowing, dam the shit back up and wait for the rain. True.
1: <laughs> Words of wisdom. I love it. I <laughs> love it. And going back to to your special, I'd be known for a second. You know, I actually had the chance to talk to Roy Wood Jr. about his comedy special. Yes, yeah, he's amazing, and he brought up something really interesting. He said that uh, he was watching a sound check with Solange, and that seeing how her attention to detail and like doing the sound check herself, going out into the into the audience and saying like, "Hey, ever, ever run it again, let me watch it." That helped him think about himself not so much in telling jokes about like body position, where to land with the joke, how do you, like, the physical embodiment of it, of doing stand-up. So for you, watching your special back, knowing that this is, like, your first, like, you know, comedy special, taped comedy special, all that, watching it back, I mean, did you learn anything? Did you have, like, kind of, like, a post-mortem with yourself? Because it's a different experience, I would imagine, it's a different experience doing it versus, like, seeing yourself do it. And I'm sure, like, you know, you see taped versions of your setups, but this is different. You know, multi-cameras... Like, zooming in, all that good stuff. So, like, how has this experience kind of, I guess, like, changed your way? Or not even changed, but how has it made you think about your comedy and how you deliver that comedy?
0: It didn't change how I would deliver my comedy, but it changed how I would consider a special. Mm.
1: Because at the
0: end of the day, when I'm on stage doing comedy, my interaction is with the crowd. When I'm on stage doing a special, it's the crowd and the camera. Exactly. So just being more conscious of where i want to deliver things mm-hmm. and being able to give that direction yeah that i'm gonna say this at this part and i want it to be a slow zoom on the jib right and i mean you have a director who of course is leading the way stan lathan is the best and i was in incredible hands yeah but just in terms of my wanting to be involved with my creativity mm-hmm. you know that's absolutely like something i hadn't truly truly understood until i was standing on the stage during tech and was like oh <laughs> and then there's parts that you like don't think of like the font
1: yeah right see the font you got to think about it as, like, a whole package. Like, that's yes, the thing.
0: But you forget that the package has other things in right. the package. <laughs> you know, even, like, with my stylist, it was, like, forget it. Like, we were like, oh, shit, you know, do we wear socks? Do we not wear socks? Like, you know, like, socks. Intri- <laughs> intricate things like that with the look. Fair, You know, fair, like, because fair. it's stuff that you don't necessarily consider as a comic when you're just performing. Right. <laughs>
1: Come Your presence me. is enough. Thank you. It's not a fashion show; it's a stand-up set.
0: But Come it on. is a fashion show. But still,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but still,
0: um, I mean, it may not be a fashion show, but it is a show of fashion. Okay, I like that.
1: All right, <laughs> turn it on its, it's head. It's I a like show it. of fashion.
0: <laughs> so I was very proud of how much we got right mm-hmm. for the first time out.
1: Mm-hmm. True, but you know what's funny? I feel like I'm. I'm glad that you got. Uh, a traditional comedy special under your belt, but knowing what you do, knowing what you can do on stage, you know, with like your live show, for example, I I actually, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but I would totally love to see what, like an Amanda Seals version of a, like a stand-up comedy special, like rethinking it, like the, even the form, what it, what the, what the format may be. So let me tell something you something along me just those. Cut you okay, there. okay, okay. okay. I'm gonna
0: cut you there, okay, baby. Okay. We don't need to rethink the stand-up comedy special. Mm. I feel like there is a purity mm-hmm. in what stand-up comedy is. Yeah. That we don't need to rethink because in, it, in its purity, it does something that nothing else does. Standing at a mic. And telling jokes is a craft and an art that simply can't be duplicated anywhere else yeah. we have to preserve that because there's a certain expectation there that also has an exclusivity to it hmm. and it is important that we preserve that because people who can do that in like a really efficient way like their voices are unique and special and need to be uplifted and heralded and when we start adding in pyrotechnics and music <laughs> and 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 video it becomes something different it right it can right. still be something beautiful. True. It can still be something beautiful, but, but it's don't something call different. Yeah. It's the same way that, like, you know, at one point people were like, you're not only the second black woman to have a stand-up comedy special on HBO because it was, I, it was Wanda Sykes, and before that it was Whoopi Goldberg. False. Whoopi Goldberg had a one-woman show. Mm. It was on Broadway. It was characters. It was fabulous. It right. was amazing. My homeboy Marvin gave it to me as a record for my birthday nice. three years ago. But it's not... Stand-up comedy. Right. It's different. And we have seen incredible one-woman shows with women who are integrating characters. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's Sarah Jones or Andavere Smith, et cetera, like, that is an art form in itself. So you also don't want to bastardize the uniqueness and the incredibleness of that by calling it something else. Right. It involves comedy. Comedy involves character. But standing on a stage with a curtain behind you and a mic and telling jokes is an Olympic sport okay and for all intents and purposes I was gonna go in that direction where I was like okay I wanna have like what if we have like pictures hanging, and then I mean, I was doing all this extraness See? That's what I was what I was going, because I'm theatrical. <laughs> of
1: course, so, you? No. you know.
0: I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I painted a proscenium with flowers in college. I mean, in high school. I mean, it was a whole thing. Shout out to Dr. Lowe's high school DP, uh, DP four two seven six Orlando. Let's do it. But <laughs> it's so black, I love it. <laughs> but no, I I checked myself. Yeah. Because I was like, you don't need all that, and you also don't want to give anybody the opportunity to detract from what it is you're doing yeah. and try and call it something else. Because if you can accomplish doing what this is, it really says something about you. It says something about black women's voices needing to be heard in this space. Mm-hmm. And it's not to be taken lightly. So that's why I was like, strike it! <laughs> Make it struck! <laughs> struck from the agenda. Yeah, and I, just... <laughs> I just put a blue curtain behind me and a stool and a smartphone and black mug and let's just do this. Boom. Love. My outfit is loud enough for all of us. T- true. Shout this to the designer, Sharufa Walker.
1: <laughs> so, of course, this is a podcast all about creativity. So, if you could leave our listeners with one bit of creative advice, what would it be?
0: Stick to your guns, even when it feels like everyone else's are pointed at you. Ah. Okay. The nuance of that is, don't be rigid. So you have to know the difference between when people are pointing guns at you or people are holding their hands out Hmm. because sometimes people are offering you things. They're offering you information. They're offering you guidance. You have to take all of it. Yeah. But then sometimes people feel like when people are doing that, that it's them being like, no, your idea is bad. Shoot it down. Shoot it down. And the hardest part for us as creatives is to learn the difference because rigidity will be your biggest enemy.
1: Boom. Right there where can people find you you know because I mean I found you in the studio and (laughs) I appreciate that but for people who want more info on you. Where can they find you?
0: They can watch I Be No One on HBO. They can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Amanda Seals. And you can get tour dates for Smart Funny and Black as well as my stand-up dates at smartfunnyandblack.com. You can actually get tickets right now for my show February 23rd at Boston, Massachusetts, the Wilbur Theater. So go and get them. And last but not least, you can check out my Small Doses podcast, Everywhere Pods Are Casted.
1: I love it. Amanda, thank you so much. I needed this good chuckle this afternoon. Yes. <laughs> (laughs) And again, congratulations on the special. It's fantastic.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for
1: listening to Creative Conversation. Make sure to rate and comment because we always love hearing from you. Please give us your feedback to make this show even better. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any
0: upcoming episodes. See you soon.